Welcome to Irish Exit Everything. My name is Frank, and they say if it's not broke, don't fix it. But what do you do if it is broken? What do you do if something that's supposed to work for everyone is only working for a few? And what if those few knew it only worked for them and did everything in their power to keep it that way? <laughs> that escalated, but it's messed up, right? You'd be like, well, hold on, let's fix that. If I learned anything from Attack on Titan, the anime, it's that those who can't abandon anything can't change anything. And that's honestly been on my mind for months now. Those who can't abandon anything can't change anything. It's time to abandon some things. Long past time to abandon some things. First and foremost, and above all else, capitalism. Capitalism is the real plague on this planet. And you can call me a radical, you can call me an extremist, I don't care. Let me give you some numbers. About 34 million Americans live in poverty. And these numbers are from 2019, so it doesn't even factor in the pandemic. And it's just the U.S., the so-called greatest country. 34 million living in poverty. More than 35 million Americans experienced hunger and food insecurity. More than 560,000 people are homeless. The greatest country on the planet can't feed and house everyone? Give me a break. And you might be thinking, yeah, that sucks, but that's the reality. There's nothing we can do. Well, actually, there's a lot we can do. It's been estimated that it would cost $25 billion to end hunger in the U.S. and $20 billion to end homelessness. How accurate are these figures? No idea, but let's just assume that's what it takes. A total of $45 billion to end hunger and homelessness in the U.S. Where do we get that money? Start taxing the rich and wealthy corporations. It's really as easy as that. According to the Federal Reserve, the top 1% of Americans have a combined net worth of $34.2 trillion. Do you know what would happen if you took $45 billion away from $34 trillion? They'd still have over $33 trillion. How are we not doing this? Because capitalism, that's why. The capitalists don't want to redistribute their wealth. It's their wealth. They worked hard for it, right? And if you suggest a more equitable distribution of wealth, you get branded a socialist, a communist. So what? Why is that a bad thing? Why is socialism and communism considered evil? Because that's what the capitalists want you to think. So you don't change anything. The foundation for capitalism is private ownership and profit for the benefit of the individual. And in order to maximize profits, you have to exploit people. That's how these billionaires got rich. How is that not the real evil? And then the foundation for socialism is public ownership and the equal distribution of wealth for the benefit of society. That sounds good to me, and a lot of people would agree. Is it truly the answer for a better society? Will it solve all the world's problems? I can't say for sure. I honestly don't know. But I do know that capitalism isn't working for everyone. And if we can't abandon anything, we can't change anything. And I know I don't have a, a perfect understanding of socialism. A lot of people don't. So I, I reached out to someone who could clear up some common misconceptions about socialism. So here's my conversation with my friend Varun from The Socialist Alternative. All right, comrade, I have here a list of common misconceptions about socialism and I'm just kind of hoping to put you on the hot seat a little bit and uh, right. read them off one by one and you can um, 
give a counter argument and explain why it's wrong. Okay, let's do this. All right, first one. Socialism has never and will never work. Cool. Okay, oh, so should we, should we just kind of go, go in order? Okay. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah, um, that's, that's, a, I mean, that's, that's a great question. Uh, I think when we think, about, when we think about the form of the worker state, uh, there's a rich history to that form. I think the first instance of a worker state we see in history uh, was the Paris Commune of 1871. Um, that was a, uh, it, was, it was the first example of the working class taking power into its own hands. Um, and, and when you think about the, um, the huge strides that, that the working class, class of Paris made in, in those three months that the Paris Commune um, uh, was in power, uh, it's it, it's uh, it's equivalent to like the, the preceding three decades of social progress, you know, in, in France. Uh, when when you think about the um, the huge strides forward in, for example, policing, you know, where the police force was um, it, it wasn't disbanded, but but it was sort of reorganized on a democratic basis, you know, and um, you know uh, uh, under under this sort of uh, citizen um, uh, citizen enforced or citizen kind of um, controlled police force. You know, they were able to, you know, uh, hugely, hugely kind of, you know, expand the effectiveness of the police and also, you know, the safety of the police, um, you know, uh, in, in Paris. They were also able to set up things like free canteens, you know, for workers, um, <clears throat> set up things like, and, and this was in, you know, extreme wartime conditions, right. you know, the, uh, you know, the Franco-Prussian war had just ended, the city was encircled by the Prussian army, um, and, and, and yeah, and, and provisions were scarce, but, but under this kind of centralized system of, of you know, distribution of food, um, they were able to, you know, feed these workers, feed these soldiers, um, all kind of trapped in the city, uh, you know, despite kind of the, yeah, the, the scarcity. Um, <clears throat> Um, and, and, and I mean, and, and so that was the first example, I guess, of, of a worker state. But, uh, uh, that only lasted three months, right? But, but obviously, we have the best example that we have um, is the worker state established in 1917 by the by the Russian Revolution. Um, and, and 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 I mean, the, the strides forward uh, that that uh, that worker state made while it was still a healthy, functioning workers' democracy are are vast. Uh, it was the first state in the world to. <clears throat> Um, to provide free abortion on demand, it was the first. It was the first system. It was the first government to to um, to decriminalize um, uh, homosexuality. It was the first. It was the first government to to repeal all sorts of um, um, to not just repeal the repressive czarist laws uh, that that you know th- these racist laws against against Jews. Uh, against other uh, other ethnic and national minorities in Russia, but not just to repeal them, but to actually um, move towards full equality, uh, full citizenship for for these uh, for these oppressed minorities, um, you know. And and but and I guess that's not even considering the uh, technological um, leaps that that took place within those first few first few years, first few decades um, of, the, of the Soviet Union um, in in the span of 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, this this backwards peasant state, backwards backwards peasant country went from yeah it went from a country of mostly peasants to to an industrialized superpower competing with the United States and the West. Um, it was able to 
modernize agriculture, it was able to uh, create a huge industry, um, and then you know, and, and it was able to create you know this the, the industrialization that was able to win the Second World War, um, in fact, right? So so uh, you know, and if 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 Hitler's armies had had invaded you know the same um, peasant country that the bazaar presided over, it, it would have toppled, and Europe would have gone to the Nazis. Um, and, and I mean, and so I mean, and, and this is just you know one example I think of, of the, the huge kinds of leaps made under a democratic workers' economy, democratically planned workers, um, uh, democratic planned economy by the workers. Right. Right. Um, yeah, and, and and you know, and uh, and and as to whether or not something like this can can ever work, I mean, it has worked, right? And I think, um, and I think even when we look at at those at those countries. Uh, that were kind of, you know, um, they're kind of made in, in the Stalinist mold. You know, that they're, they're kind of, you know, uh, I think, you know, what, what Trotsky has called deformed worker states, like with Cuba and China. Um, even they have made, you know, while still kind of deformed worker states, you know, before you know ca- capitalism was restored in, in those countries, but while they were still kind of, you know, deformed worker states, they were, they were even they were able to make strides. And Cuba, for example, was able to. Um, uh, uh, was able to was able to build the best healthcare system in Latin America, the pride of Latin America, um, and even to this day, um, <clears throat> um, you know, Cuban doctors are seen as a, as a standard of excellence all around Latin America, all around the world. Mm. Um, Cuba was able to take huge strides towards um, towards making towards towards uh, universal housing. Um, it, it, was, it was able to do this, you know, only by sort of you know ex- expropriating the. Um, you know the, the big landlords, um, but also the kind of the by also kind of banning you know multiple tenantship, you know having you know residing in multiple houses, he was able to do this by you know, confiscating privately held land and developing it um, for you know with, with, with um, the social good in mind, um, and and yeah and, and and this is just you know one example of what can be done even under um, a top-down badly managed um, non-democratic worker state like Cuba. Um, so, so it, it, it just gives us a sense of how much power um, centralized planning can have, and, and when the centralized planning is put into the hands of put into the hands of the working class in general, it's uh, I mean anything is possible. Mm-hmm. I feel like people who say things like socialism has never and will never work, they don't know any about anything about any of those examples that you just provided. So, um, thank you for that. Um, and the next one I have is you've already touched on it, on it really, the centralized planning. Um, Democracy is incompatible with socialism. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great question. Um, I mean, I, I think I think socialism is only possible with democracy. I think I think it's part of its very fabric. Um, I think in any of the examples of socialism, socialism that we've seen in history that you know call themselves socialist, but you know without actual democracy, I think you know, we, we I, I wouldn't call those socialism examples of socialism at all. Right. Um, you know, I, I think. Um, Socialism, you know, I guess at the, at the core, uh, its goal is to expand democracy into, into every sphere, you know, uh, into, into the econo- economic sphere, especially because you know that's the um, uh, these, these economic relations are the ones that 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 bind us, you know, just as much as as any kind of you know um, political relations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're kind of we're under the thumb of our boss, we're under the thumb of our landlord, um, and, and and the goal of socialism is to give workers a democratic say. In how their workplaces um, and and how their and how their their um, their housing is sort of run 
and, and distributed. Um, so, so yeah, I think at the end of the day, um, democracy is, is part and parcel of, of socialism. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, this is one that we've kind of talked about before. Um, there is no motivation to work under socialism. Yeah, I mean, this, this, is, this is a tricky one. I mean, I think um, under socialism, the goal is, is to create a system where uh, we're able to look after every single person, regardless of their, regardless of their needs. We're able to meet the needs of, of society in general, um, right? And I think, and I think, and I think today, the massive wealth that we see, kind of sitting, sitting, uh, gathering dust in, in the vaults of billionaires, is, is proof to this, right? Um, the billions that I think, literally, it was a trillion, I think, that that global billionaires earned in the pandemic. Um, I, I mean, it's 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 figures like this that that. Um, need me to believe, right, that it is possible to, to house everyone, to clothe everyone, feed everyone. Um, but, but yeah, and the question is, yeah, whether or not, you know, there would be any motivation to work uh, under a socialist economy. I, I think, I think at the end of the day, um, even under a socialist economy, you know, a, a socialist economy, I would say, is kind of a, a transition stage right, between the society that we're, that we're in today and a society where we're able to kind of meet society's needs to 100 and to, to not just to 100 not just at 100 percent, but at you know 200 percent mm-hmm. we're able to live in a society of you know i think what marx calls super abundance right. you know, where, where um you know uh there the, the are no longer any classes there's no longer any need for a state um that resources are, are are kind of surpluses are kind of generated you know so um uh so so plentifully right that that there is sort of and, and but also that society is so, so kind of trained, so skilled in kind of um, administering the surplus that there is no need for a state. There is no there is no system of classes. Um, all of that is kind of dissolved. But mm-hmm. I think on the road to the society is, is what we call socialism, right? This kind of in between state uh, where you know we, we still have have a need for a, for a, uh, for some some kind of state right to to um, to administer these, these surpluses to to kind of to keep the, the the prior ruling class from retaking power, right? But but also to kind of finish carrying out the tasks of the revolution because those don't happen. You know, the second the revolution isn't finished, or right? the second that the working class seizes political power, it, it, it's kind of an ongoing process. Um, so so so, in the socialist society, there would still be a need for people to work, um, and 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 I think the the um, in general kind of the the motto of the society would be that you know every single person would be returned to them. Would would have returned to them exactly the amount that they put in the society, you know, um, a person, uh, and, and and a person's, and, and so um, what a person puts in society's pot is exactly what they'll be able to take out, yeah, as opposed to today, you know, when you know you have CEOs who put nothing into the pot but take everything out. Right. Um, under I think under a socialist world, um, you know, we would still have need for for plenty of of plenty of jobs that are considered undesirable. Um, but but at the end of the day, and, and and we would still need people to do these jobs, right? And and people would, because like I said, um, we haven't yet reached that point in, in in society's development where we're able to sort of guarantee needs, guarantee every single person's um, needs, just just kind of um, uh, upfront. You know, we're we're still we're still on the road to that society. So there's still a need for people to work, um, but also under socialism, um, since we no longer have you know bosses. And, and 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 parasites kind of kind of skimming away, right? Kind of kind of taking a portion of the wealth that you produce for themselves for free, kind of pocketing um, a good proportion of of um, 
yeah, of, of the value that we produce, you know, with, with our with our labor, um, because we no longer have, you know, to contend with with, with you know with, with the vampires, um, um, the, you know, the, the, the yeah, because we, we no longer have to deal with capitalists, right? Every single worker would be uh, would be paid the full uh, the full value of their labor, um, not a fraction of it, right? There would right. be um, whatever fraction that's taken away and used for profit. Um, that would also so so not, what, the point is the point being right that um, uh, that every single worker, uh, and if you're laying bricks in the street or I don't know um, uh, treating patients at, at a hospital, right? Every single worker uh, would, would be entitled to the full value of, of what they put into society, and and this would mean you know doubling, tripling, quadrupling of the salaries paid to the lowest um, paid workers in society today. You know? Yeah. That sounds great to me. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really helpful to to think of socialism as a transition stage, like you said, because uh, I think a lot of people, even advocates of socialism, think it's like the the end, the end goal. Um, but yeah, I like thinking of it as a transition stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you mentioned yeah. superabundance, so this next one kind of applies to that. Uh, only capitalism can drive innovation. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, yeah, we hear this a lot. Um, you know, I, I would say that, you know, when, when you look at, uh, first of all, you know, what, what do we think of as innovation? What, what, what innovation has capitalism really produced? Um, you know, one example, I mean, you know, I feel like, uh, I feel like capitalism, all capitalism really succeeds. And we spoke about this, right? Is, is, in, is in giving us, um, you know, better versions or hardly better versions of, of the same products that it, that, it, that it sold us a year ago. Right. iPhones with yet another lens, camera lens on them. Um, I don't. I wouldn't call that innovation, right? Uh, but but you know, you have people who might look at. Oh, look, we have we have you know, we have like these two um, two vaccines, and they're both pretty good. Actually, three vaccines, and they're all more or less pretty good. Uh, what about this? This was a product of capitalism, right? Isn't this good? You know, it, it is. It, it was a product of capitalism. But but the fact is, um, first of all, it was a product of kind of an unprecedented um, uh, kind of. It, this wouldn't have been possible, obviously, without state intervention, right? It, it required. You know, um, huge figures, huge, huge amounts of investment um, from the government to make, to make these vaccines. These these vaccines, at the end of the day, you know, are the result of uh, collaboration between, between government scientists, between private labs, universities, every everyone. Um, so that's the first, you know, um, misconception, I guess, in calling these things purely products of capitalism. Right. But but, at this, but on the other hand, right, we could have had much better vaccines, much quicker, um, if if only, right, if only. Um, uh, these 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 two corporations that produce these two vaccines, you know, were, were sharing notes. I, I mean, we, we ended up with with um, these two sets of vaccines, with both with their own kind of protocols around storage and 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 and, and um, you know and in use and so on, right? Both kind of distinct things, uh, both um, not uh, interoperable, right? Is it such a victory to have these two basically the same same? These these two shots that rely on the same technology, but are but are basically different things. It's it's kind of an inefficiency, I think, mm. right? And I think these are the kinds of inefficiencies that we would, we wouldn't see under a planned economy, you know, under 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 a system, you know, where we were able to, you know, sit down at the table all together, all of the greatest scientists, all of the researchers and and, and technicians, um, and and able to kind of and and these you know and and, the, and these people would be able to sit down and, and devise a plan, um, kind of in a centralized way. To, to produce a vaccine, you know, uh, using using certain technology, um, 
and yeah, and this would have, and this, and this, I think, is the only way to really. This would have been um, the only way to actually um, truly innovate, right? Um, I, I think, I think what we have now is we have, um, you know, it drives the profit, but it only, it, it's, but it, but it kind of, um, in in a, in a way, you need to innovate to to make profit, right? But 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 the point is, um, at the end of the day, if you can't profit without, you know, uh, innovating, then then that's what you're going to do. Innovation is really only, is really only incidental to, mm. to the profit motive um, in our economy, right? It just they sometimes coincide, right? Most of the time they don't. Um, so yeah, at the end of the day, you know, um, if we had a society where we no longer had, if we were no longer chained that profit motive, we would be able to just purely innovate 100 percent of the time uh, without any, yeah, without any regard for profit. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and this is <laughs> one of my favorite ones. Um, just to wrap things up here, um, the final one is socialism sucks. So if you have any any final thoughts well, on that one, that's, that's a compelling one. Yeah, is that from our friends over at a Turning Point USA? Um, yeah, I don't know if I told you this, but we were tabling down at Auburn. Um, a bunch of uh, Turning Point USA folks set up their set up their set up their table like a few yards down from ours. And, and they pointed a sign towards us that read "Socialism sucks." Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty uh, uh, on the nose, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, socialism. I, I think, uh, I think, you know, whatever your thoughts on socialism are, there, there's no doubt that it's uh, it's, it's grabbing the ear of a, of a growing section of, of workers and youth today. Um, you know, not just in, uh, not just as seen in in the um, in the two campaigns of Bernie Sanders, but also in uh, all of the struggles that are, that have uh, some of the most important labor struggles that have erupted since then. Um, for example, uh, the, the, uh, the the red state teacher strike wave of 2018, uh, you know, and most recently the unionization drive over investment. These are both kind of struggles where socialists played a, played a pretty key role, um, uh, where, where workers, you know, rank and file workers. Um, are, are, are kind of coming coming into contact with socialist ideas in a very organic way, and, and kind of coming to these conclusions on their own. Uh, where you know, and and, um, and and so my point is right, that socialism is is a uh, it, it, the genie's out of the bottle. It's a very powerful. I mean, it, it's a, it's it's going to be a it's a very um, socialist movement today. It's it's in a uh, really um, really good spot, you know. And, and it's a, it's a it's a great time to be socialist. Not so much to be you know, turning point USA member, but great time to be a socialist.